Podboys Productions. Welcome back to Movies Are Relevant, a monthly film podcast here on Brooklyn Rebound Network with your boy Pod Drew over here. And of course, we have E Nam Eric over on the East Coast. How's it going over there? Eric? Uh, you know, just having some more of those classic New York City uh, spring days where it's 55 degrees outside and somehow still 98 degrees in my apartment. So uh, just living living the uh, dream, I guess. Greatest city in the world, go Mets. <laughs> yeah, New York is basically like a character in your mo- the movie of your life. <laughs> right. It's the city is a character. Well... You don't get it. My city is acting up weather-wise, too. It's been, like, 80. It's still, right now, it's obviously three hours early where I am. It's still, like, 80 degrees probably out. Uh, Like, heat was on this morning, AC on (laughs) during the day then. (laughs) Probably heat back on at night. Anyway. Amazing. We're not here to talk about weather. We're here to talk about movies as usual. But not as usual. We're going to break format today from what it has been recently, which is, you know, one newer film we discuss and mix it in with uh, one classic film that has, you know, some connection. But it's Oscar week, even though the uh, Oscars are often get it wrong or they're ultimately meaningless or frustrating. And I might not even watch a lot of it or them anymore, frankly. Uh, it's still good fodder to talk about, look into the, some of the films. But... I also decided we can do our own, uh, essentially, type of awards. Not with, like, all these, you know, Best Picture 10 nominations or whatever. I've got uh, 11 categories, though, that are just head-to-head, head-to-head, yeah, competitions. Or, I'm going to leave it, Eric doesn't know what uh, these categories are or anything. It's a surprise to him. So he'll find out Will I tell him live here and also eric if you want to throw in a third option a third contender that maybe i didn't think of that's your prerogative as well right right so you you can give me two options but i can say actually it's moonlight correct well yeah i think i'll put a caveat on there it's this is all related to films that were released in 2021 which moonlight was not so no moonlight talk don't be dense you get the yeah, joke yeah no jackass forever that was this year you know so yes i i get i did get the joke but i i overruled the i, I overruled the comedy in favor of uh hardlining what my rules that i've set up are just to be clear i can or can't sneak a, sneak one of these awards away and give it to jackass forever which i have not seen you cannot because that, that falls in the realm of 2022 Oh, okay, okay. So really, I mean, most of these have to do, uh, are related to a Best Picture nomination, probably, or a, or a uh, you know, a film that was critically acclaimed, at least, in 2021, and, and maybe some ones we've talked about on full episodes already, but I still wanted to throw some of that in. But basically, just a jumping-off point to give a few thoughts 
any of the ones we touch on, we might might still do a full episode on. Especially, I guess, I'm thinking for net for April, movies pod. We'll see what wins best picture this Sunday, and maybe do that one next. And back to the other format of pairing it up with a classic. I guess unless licorice pizza wins because we talked about that already but i think that's highly unlikely from what i've uh, it seems like it's going to be power of the dog or coda yeah so yeah we'll see um but that being said uh let's jump off the mo- the 2021 what well, i guess they call it like the 2021 oscars even though it's 2022 so this should still follow for us right so the 2021 movies are relevant best awards a great name I came up with, the best awards, because it's all going to be best something. So these are all going to be like, is it more like superlatives, where it's like, most likely to kill the king of the, because of which told you to, I don't know. Yeah, that was that one probably is going to be a lock for old Macbeth, but it's not quite like that. Well, you'll see. Uh, l- let, me, let me just start it off here. And this one is going to be called, well, here, I'll start with this one, because then it'll tell you. In terms of the Oscars, which ones I haven't seen and which ones I have, this category is best best picture nominee that Drew doesn't really want to watch. Okay, I mean I'm already I'm in on this. So the two contenders are, and this one unfortunately it, it won't make sense for you to add your own third option. So forget about that for now. The nominees are Don't Look Up, and that's going head to head with King Richard. Don't Look Up and King Richard. Eric, have you seen either of these? I've not seen either of these. Do you want to see either of them? No. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really watch biopics, and I Don't Look Up looks stupid. Yeah, for the latter one there, uh, Don't Look Up, I I don't know. I just saw like a bunch of essentially negative reviews for that. I'm kind of sick of the Adam McKay thing. As I say that, I have been watching his Lakers show that just came out, which does... A lot of the same type of gimmicks, I guess, but... I've heard that's good, yeah. I saw the first two episodes, I like it so far. But he's doing the same kind of gimmicks from, like, Big Short and those other, you know, his other features. What was that, the uh, Bush one, or the uh, Cheney one? That was called Vice. Yeah, that's right, Vice. I don't know, this this just seemed to rub me the wrong way with uh, trailers I saw or whatever, and I, I was like, I think I'm out on this, dog. So... My vote's going to go for King Richard as the best of the two, and the one I'm most likely to watch. That one, I don't know. I'm just kind of, like, turned off by the Will Smith of it all, I guess. I'm kind of out on him. Okay. Which is maybe a reason why a lot of people would watch it, but... Because of the Scientology, or what? I don't... I just can't... I'm sure the movie got made in the first place because he's agreed to star in it, and they want, like, a star and as that role... Of a guy who apparently is, like, pretty unlikable, I think, in real life. But, um, that's, like, the reason I don't want to. Like, I just don't... Like, if I see he's, like, leading a movie now, I'm just kind of not into it. Especially he's playing a real, I guess, a real figure, which he does a lot. I don't know if I could explain it better. Well, he's been in some really dog shit movies since uh, he did that tearjerker in 2007. The the Pursuit of Happiness with a Y. Right, right, right. He did that one where his son... He and his son play a father and son pair who return to Earth after humans are gone that looked like complete garbage uh, and was reviewed. That is, I believe, a Scientology direct parallel or something. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. 
I may I would combine the thing like if because like the Serena and Venus story is interesting. I mean, is it more interesting than him playing an orc cop or, or playing a friend uh, a friend of an orc cop? I'm gonna say yes. I think it is more interesting. Okay. And uh, and I heard John Bernthal is good in that in the film, uh, who I generally like. But if Adam McKay made like I was just talking about this Lakers show, if if he did it and it was like a show about the, and then that that could be interesting. But that being said, that means I have watched all the other eight Best Picture nominees now. Technically, I'll say seven and two thirds because I started West Side Story last night and i only get about two acts through it so man i think i know how it ends but uh i guess i haven't completed that one yet i forgot just from like a decade of my life having to play once or twice a year the orchestral medley from west side story or actually sit in the pit for west side story what a fucking banger that is okay so you're a fan It's, it's a great musical it's a great musical those songs rip compared to like some of the other shit i had to play Okay, I'm, I'm going to move up a category then, and... Oh no, we need to finish this, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, I was trying to finish that last one anyway. I was getting into the ones I have seen now, so this this is good, we'll ease into the ones I haven't completely finished. Okay, so to pause, we are giving the award for Best Picture nominee that Drew doesn't want to see the least. That Drew hasn't seen and doesn't want to see the least. Essentially, that is what it is. I voted for King Richard, you can... Uh, you can put your vote in again. We can We obviously can't, won't come to a consensus on all these because it's only just the two of us. I think uh, I'm gonna vote for Coda because I I I've just got no interest in like happy family movies. Um, and I think shout out to Anna Karenina. Uh, I think happy families are all alike, and this King Richard movie might actually be interesting. Oh wait wait wait. So you should vote for King Richard. Then. So I should. Okay, so it's, so it's King Richard all the way down. Because I, I did see Coda anyway, so it's, it's ineligible. Yeah, but I didn't. I'm voting with my heart sometimes, Drew. I mean, we could add... I mean, I guess I was being selfish here. I didn't add a category in for you, because I'm not sure everything you've seen, but... Well, it's what, over what, now. King Richard swept. Okay, okay, okay. I get, we could have done what Eric doesn't want to watch. Would it be Coda versus... Uh, It'd be Coda versus another Don't Look Up. Okay. Okay, we could split that one. And would you watch Don't Look Up over Coda? I don't know. Probably not. Okay. So anyway, the category I've just uh, I'm I'm presenting now is the best presentation of Shakespeare, and that is people in the '60s singing it versus people in their '60s saying it literally. So I got I I don't know. This could be a tough one for you. You were just praising West Side Story, which is obviously the first one is in reference to you. I kind of also cheated a little bit on this cause, to get my my joke in, because I think it's the 50s, not the 60s, but whatever. Yeah, yeah it's... Uh, since you're bringing up the so- the songs, I'll say we're at the, the point which I stopped, which I need to finish the film. I stopped after I Feel Pretty. That, that's kind of a banger. I like that one. So that's where I paused. It's so whimsical. But my question... You say it's so predictable. I said so whimsical. Oh, whimsical. I thought you said so predictable like that. Like, that was <laughs> predictable for me. <laughs> Fucking Drew. So I stopped there, and I will finish it, but probably today. But I was a little confused, like, no, you're not confused, but I was wondering, I know they made some changes in this 
Spielberg, Spielberg, Spielberg adaption, adaptation, rather. And I have seen the original, like, when I was, like, a kid. But in this one, they, they do the I Feel Pretty song right after, like, the whole big, like, rumble and then two of the main characters die. I felt like, in the original, is that in a different order? Or it just seemed kind of weird, like, to put that, like you said, the whimsical number right after that. Or is that purposeful by Spielberg? Like, Is he right after that? Yeah, I it's literally where I paused right after the song, and then um, I'd seen the rumble part already, yeah. Oh, okay. It just seemed a little weird to me. That might be out of order, because that's not where I remember it being, but I have seen that movie in the last two weeks, and and I didn't think that it happened in that order, so maybe my brain is superimposing the order in which I have been more familiar with it. <sighs> well, it seems like the order, though, would make more sense in general, but... Well, it it makes sense to have it there because, like, that's that's creating dramatic tension. She has no idea that it's not going to go the way that she began planning for it to go two days ago. I could see that, but I still think it would work better with... She's setting it up with that, like, she's planning this, and then we actually, as the viewers, see what really happens. But yeah, yeah. Well, that's not, that's not Spielberg's fault. That's that's Bernstein okay. all the way. If, if, unless he changed it. I mean, I'm not a I'm not a big musical fan, but I probably like them more than straight adaptations of Shakespeare on the stage, at least. Really? Now, to be fair, uh, uh, the other one I'm referencing in this category, the tragedy of Macbeth. Um, this uh, is uh, obviously it's a film. Um, it looks pretty cool, black and white, um, you know, photography and everything. It's that's more palatable to me than watching a stage adaptation of Macbeth or Romeo and Juliet or whatever, but it's still not really my jam, either one of these. So, and I reference the people in their 60s because I'm like, you saw this one, right, Eric? I think you I told did. me that you did. So, did you like it? I think you might have said you did, but I can't remember now. I loved, I loved um, the tragedy of Macbeth, yeah. I, I think... I don't know. Denzel's doing the best Denzel impression I've seen him do in a long damn time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's great. He's doing, he does a good job. Like, all the acting is good, but doesn't it, doesn't it seem kind of weird that Macbeth and Lady Macbeth, like I said, they're in their 60s, essentially, like, pushing 70, like, to, to really make sense. I don't know that that makes sense either. Um... Well, something I've heard other people say is giving them, giving, uh, Den- giving Denzel and uh, our girl Frankie McDormand the parts at, like, in their 60s gives it more of a, um, of a retrospective. Like, I've lived my whole life and, and this is the only way that I'm going to get anywhere with it. As opposed to the traditional casting of Macbeth as, like, a, a, like a young, like, hungry spirit, right? This is... This is the Denzel and Frankie McDormand characters saying, I don't have anyone to leave this empire to, but God damn it, I need this. I, I need to do something with my life. I need to, you know. Yeah. What? Because I was thinking about it specifically what they're talking about the kids. Like, obviously, a big part of it is like the witches tell him that Banquo's kids are going to, like, be king. They, like, they do. They tell Banquo that he will never be king, uh, but that he, but, that he will. Yeah 
have have a yes, he will bear a king or something. And that's why Macbeth and Co. try to raise change. A king. Yeah, try to change what the prediction is, but or the prophecy is. But um, like in the original one, or just in the in it in general, they don't have kids, right? Macbeth and Lady Macbeth. So like, what are they? But I guess they're thinking they could still, and if they're not old like this, or, I don't know. But that's complicated too because there's the there's the part where she says like. She says a line that I'm not going to repeat so as not to butcher it, and also just because it, I don't know, it's cringy. But she says that she has nursed a child, meaning that she probably had a child. I know that's something that we discussed in college English, but but there's no child around, yeah. All I'm saying is, like, all I'm thinking is, um, it would make, this adaptation would make more sense if they did have, like, kids so they could leave it. Because I get what you're saying about the retrospective on the life, but, like, would they care that much about just being king at the end? Or they're already king. They're already ruling at the end. So, like, who cares what whoever their his friend's kids should be king? Then why not, you know, if he doesn't have his own family? I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you on that for sure. So it's not that you didn't like this movie, sorry. Uh, it's that you don't usually like watching Shakespeare. You're not a big Kenneth Branagh guy? I just don't like the pros no well i mean with his shakespeare adaptations at least i mean i remember denzel was in that one that i think he directed that's like a comedy which is like yeah okay, that's that is like a, yeah part of the comedies that keanu's in it too. Um, uh, yeah yeah i don't i just don't favor the uh, the shakespearean prose i would rather like the acting was good in this i love seeing steven rue pop up that was cool the black and white photography and staging like i said was really cool but i just don't I would rather just they change the dialogue and it doesn't have to be modern, whatever. Like, it just, I don't know. It's not interesting to me. I've got a similar problem, though it doesn't make it uninteresting to me, where, like, I can watch a whole play or or, or a whole movie or a filmed play or whatever uh, and get, you know, everything out of it. I know what the characters are saying when they're saying it, and I can think along with the characters and, like, have movie brain and, 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 and understand what's happening, you know, dramatically. And five minutes after the movie's over, I can't remember actually a single line from the movie. <laughs> or I can remember three of them, but I, like, whole conversations, whole monologues that I knew what was happening at the time are just out of my brain, because I, I don't speak that way. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, no, it makes sense. All that said, I did love this movie, and I, I only I only liked West Side Story, so... You know, maybe it's unfair because I haven't finished West Side Story yet. I don't think it is, though, because based on how I set up what the category actually is, just best presentation of Shakespeare. Despite what I just said about not liking the prose, I'm still going to go with the, the tragedy of Macbeth in this one. And... It'll lead into my next maybe category too a little bit. Well, to pause for a second, I do I do want to note that this award, while not nominated, this category did rob uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal's *The Lost Daughter*, which is oh right, you can the best Shakespearean tragedy I've ever seen. Aha, if only yes. it had been written by Shakespeare, or I've seen this year. Excuse me, I've not seen it, but yeah, you could put that one up there, even as like quote unquote Shakespearean style tragedy. Um, so you want to change your vote to that, or are you going with it? No, no, uh, just, just special, special shout out to the movie that made me feel the most like I was watching Uncut Gems in, in the year 2021. That's the one that made you the most. Okay. Yeah. And, and certainly McDormand and Washington have a 
superior chemistry to the the weeds of West Side Story. Sure. That's fair. Now, but with that being said, I have some issues, and, and, and maybe something that put me off for a little bit of watching Macbeth is my next uh, category. It's back to a personal one for me. Okay. My second of two ones revolving around me, but uh, since we just talked that, I'll, I'll throw it in here now, which is uh, Best Actor Survival of Drew's Fatigue with them in general. And that's going to be our girl as you call her frankie francis mcdormand versus bradley cooper the latter of which i've talked about before okay so you're you're tired of francis mcdormand in the same way that you were tired of bradley cooper in that they're just in everything and you're tired of seeing them used in everything kind of i guess with cooper with mcdormand it's a little more maybe to her Personally, I'm just kind of tired of her, and especially in these award films and seeing her win all the time, and she's kind of, like, obnoxious, I think, <laughs> giving speeches and stuff. Or well, I just Yeah, don't... she's definitely going to give an issues speech every time she she gives a speech. Yeah, and then, like, seeing her, and then maybe, and then in this one, I was like, oh, she, I know she's Joel Cohen's wife, and he directed it, so, like, and he, she's in all his films, so it makes sense, but... I'm like, uh, I was kind of fatigued. That's part my fatigue with her put me off of it watching it initially. I've dealt with, I've talked to you about my Cooper fatigue before. I haven't said I maybe got over it somewhat this year. He was in two films that I generally liked. I was going to ask, importantly, which film is he nominated for in this category? Uh, well, this is not a specific, uh, uh, film. So I think McDormand was only in Tragedy Macbeth this year, unless I missed something. But Cooper was in two uh, that I saw, so both are eligible for him to compete. I think we talked about it in Licorice Pizza but, uh, episode. When he's used, he was more... Sp- I think we probably talked about it when I was shit-talking Guillermo yeah. um, del Toro last time, too. That, too, maybe, but we didn't see... We didn't talk about... Um, also, Francis McDormand is in The French Dispatch, which came out in 2021. So they're both in two movies. Ah, yes. Well, a good time. To, you're right. I did see that recently, too, and I forgot. My bad. So, yeah, that good, good moment to bring Dispatch up, too, then I guess we could. And and her segment in that, that was an anthology film with three segments, essentially. Her segment was my least favorite of that one also, so. You know, every time you say, you like, every time, because we talked a little bit off mic about the French Dispatch, I guess I liked it more than I thought I did, like, a lot more than I thought I did, because every time you say it, it's like, what the, where the fuck does this guy get off? That was one, that was one of the best three segments out of the three. <laughs> one of the best three. Well, I don't disagree with that. But, yeah. No, I, 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 and I like the first one the best, probably easily the best, with um, Benicio del Toro, and the, is the artist in prison, uh, Tilda Swinton doing, like, a talk on him, which I thought was she was funny the let the i know because he tried to fuck me <laughs> she put in like a, a slide of her by mistake <laughs> the i guess the last one i liked overall it had a good twist um and, and you know jeffrey Wright played a good character which i was saying off mic i think it's probably based on someone real but I, i'm not sure so i maybe missed some references i think there's a lot of i mean this is clearly a film about like journalism a lot and referencing real journalists, I believe, so which I'm not too versed in, so I don't know, but yeah, it's very Wes Ander- Anderson-y, maybe maybe the most so of any film he's done, with all his quirks and symmetry and all that. Yeah, I really, 
I really liked that movie. I thought it was like, it definitely wasn't my favorite Wes Anderson movie, and Wes Anderson isn't my favorite director. But like, you can see obvious marks of quality. Like, I'm not fucking, I'm I'm not gonna be annoying about it, right? And I did at the end come away just like feeling, feeling just like it was a like really warm, uh, I don't know, like a love letter to like the aimlessness of artistic types and the the people who get something out of that aimlessness the people who can you know point those arrows in a certain direction i don't know i i did think it was i mean it, it, like a lot of wes anderson movies it was just a little too sweet for me uh but it was you know yeah it was great yeah i i did like i liked it but maybe because of the the structure of it it didn't pull me in as much as some of his other ones i don't know now no which of these two actors survived you being tired of them the best based on these two performances? You get a vote. Well, well you could lobby here at least, if not get okay. a full-out vote on this one since it's another personal one to me. But which do you think I should, should be least fatigued by? Now, if we're not talking about award season in itself, which I don't think is necessarily in the spirit of the performance uh, of, of this exercise because I assume real awards voters would be considering, like, do I want to hear this motherfucker give another speech? But if we're not considering how how tiresome it's going to be um, to have someone give a very impassioned speech about a subject that I basically agree with them on um, directly into the camera as if the camera is the enemy and therefore me, even though I know she's not talking to me, or maybe she is and I need to look in where I don't know. Um, am I getting tired of that experience enough that her giving two fantastic performances in two fantastic movies is weighed down such that Bradley Cooper's great performance in a movie I didn't like and great performance in my favorite one of my favorite movies of the year is is that which way is the scale tipping here I'm struggling with this what what are you feeling can I I'll point something else out or another one of my opinions I do think uh, I already said it was my least favorite segment of French Dispatch. I don't think anything uh, Frankie McPhee did acting-wise in said segment was anything really out of the ordinary for her. It was pretty standard of her acting style performances, I thought. I agree. Whereas, uh, even though you didn't care for, you're, you're a bit of a Del Toro skeptic, or a lot of one, maybe... So Nightmare Alley wasn't your thing. I do think Cooper gave a pretty good performance in that, despite, frankly, being kind of miscast in the role, I think. I agree. So, uh, and we, we, we said this last time, too, didn't we, when we were just briefly talking about the fact that you had seen it? That, like, I didn't like that movie, but I liked a lot of parts of that movie, and he was one of the, one of the main ones. Yeah. Well, listen, we could table this. We don't have to decide on this one. Now, this is a tough oh, no, no, contest. No. We're, we're giving this award. Okay, okay. I'm not saying we're not giving it, but I'm saying we could we could pass for now. Because the next category, we could talk a little Nightmare Alley. This this category is best uh, con artist outcome. And it is uh, a carnival conning leading to geekdom versus convent conning leading to uh, causing a riot. This is not entirely fair because I still haven't seen Benedetta, even though I meant to see Benedetta and drive my car, and I want to see them so badly. 
Oh. Elden Ring came out, and I just can't be watching, be looking at two screens at a time right now. Yeah, and maybe I should put this insert, this soundbite into the front of the pod, but I guess it will be doing minor to possibly major spoilers uh, in this episode. Um, oh, I, I think I've had Benedetta mostly spoiled for me. It's like spoilers don't... A wide array of films. Well, for our listeners. But oh. well, Benedetta's probably worth a full episode, frankly, so we can we can uh, table that one as well. I believe it's on Hulu now. I really want to see it. I really want to see Benedetta and Drive My Car. I just can't read subtitles and play Elden Ring at night. No, well, you shouldn't watch a film, even if it's in English language, and play a video game at the same time anyway, in my humble opinion. You know, if it if it's good enough, I do shut the other screen off. We've talked about this. Okay, so are you abstaining from this vote? Do you have a third con artist thing to add, outcome to add? Well, I did just watch Red Rocket. And there are no good outcomes in that movie. Uh, but he is, a, he is a kind of con artist. He's a hustler. Yeah. He's a, a dirty hustler. Okay. We'll, we'll... I'm going to give this one to Benedetta because I didn't like the ending of Nightmare Alley and I thought it was too simplistic and moralistic. I did like the ending. I think it, it's fitting. It's in the original one, too. You know, this was a remake. And I liked it in that, too. Yeah, yeah. For sure. But yeah, I'm going to give it to the convent con, conning as well. And there's even a question, I guess, does Benedetta, maybe you won't understand this yet, but is Benedetta actually a con artist or does she believe her own bullshit? The movie doesn't completely hold your hand on that one or lead you to, to the definitive conclusion. I'll Shout say. out to St. Maud. Indeed. Although, yes, it, it is actually similar in a way like that. But with Sam Maud, which we had a whole episode about, the filmmaker, it's clear what they think, based on the very ending. Whereas yeah. with the Benedetta, maybe not 100%, but I don't know. Okay. So we both going Benedetta here? I'm going, I'm going for the Convent Con or the Carnival. Okay. Now, my next category, I think half of... Well, we should go, we should go back and decide the Francis and um, Bradley question. My heart says licorice pizza, both because you're right. She she's not doing anything like extraordinary in the French Dispatch. She's just being Francis McDormand. Though I did earlier in in the podcast say that I was impressed about Denzel just being Denzel in his uh, Shakespeare Shakespeare soliloquies, but nonetheless, that's not much of a triumph. And he he's he's just this. He's so fucking gonzo in Licorice Pizza, and I think that does that is going to lift him. Okay. I'll vote for that as well, since I maybe had the bigger block mentally with him in the first place. So now he's turned it around a little bit. So Cooper wins that mm-hmm. one. Now, have we agreed every time so far? It seems that we have. Okay. You threw in a couple extra. I mean, you could have switched coda and i guess to that first one with with your denzel point real quick i guess the one thing with his performance not that he was doing stuff he hasn't done but he did omit some of the stuff he normally does do i feel like with this kind of like a lot of his performances will do like kind of the smiling like what do you call it i'm trying to think like my man and this well there's training day denzel and there's man on fire denzel yeah 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 
where where the the Macbeth character doesn't really well it could have been for, so I thought it was a little could be a little different. Anyway, it's not here nor there. The next category you might have you just said you uh, hadn't seen Drive My Car, so oh, I want you so bad. This is a most influential figure, which is Uncle Vanya versus Bronco Henry. Okay. Now, I haven't seen Drive My Car, obviously, but I have read the Haruki Murakami short story on, on which it is based. Remind me, I did this in college, though, remind me the influence that Uncle Vanya's character has on real-life outcomes. Well, you haven't seen the, the film, so you wouldn't know, right? I've read the short story. You can't spoil anything. I, I am going to remember the whole short story as I'm watching the movie, I assume. It's just a... It, it seems like ties in with the main character a lot. Um, like, he's playing him a lot in the movie. Like, he's an actor. And it kind of bleeds out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then there's, like, parts where he can't perform. He, like, breaks down on stage trying to perform it because of things that happen in his personal life that he it makes him... It affects him too much, the character. And then... And so, like, he's putting on the stage play that these people... This company hires him to put on the play, like, direct the play. And they assume, like, he's gonna be in it as Uncle Vanya, but he's tries to cast someone else um speaking of miscasting like some younger kid who like uh, i think the character suspects had an affair with his late wife uh as another part of it um mm-hmm. so there's many layers here i don't know remember, if you remember that from the short story but which also it's a sh- based on a short story this is a long film i could see why it's kind of novel like yes. though um and it's kind of also like it's one of those longer movies that kind of lulls you in a little bit you just get you just start getting with the vibe of it you know and move along although i uh, to be fair i did watch it in two sittings but but like a novel i think it worked in that way even though i guess a novel is not the same as a short story you probably wouldn't break in into multiple readings but i guess depends how slow you read anyway partially in this category i just thought those were two funny names to throw in together to talk about two films I watched it like before Christmas. So you it's been a while for you. It's been out quite a while. Uh, yeah. So we can talk about Power of the Dog for for a couple of minutes, I guess. Uh obviously the the main, I guess main character in that played by Benedict Benedict Cumberbatch is very obsessed with this figure Bronco Henry from his past who's now deceased apparently and uh gives quite a lot of, talks about him quite a bit does other stuff related to him as well <laughs> that we that unravels yeah it's it's like if one of those old head sportscasters is always like i hate to do this but michael jordan wouldn't have missed that shot you know i i just don't think steph curry's got what it takes one of those people who or, or like if i tried to take that shot they would have clotheslined me so therefore steph curry is not a great basketball player or lebron i don't know why i keep saying steph uh, over and over again. Steph Curry's great. Never It is whatever. He's he's also, like, always being, like, harping on the way that Bronco Henry would have done things, you know? So it's like then the sportscaster goes and, like, is, like, uh, jerking it with Michael's, like, towel that he wanted to sweat off with or something. <laughs> yeah. Next to one of those learn-to-read posters that everybody had in their libra- school library in 1996. Exactly. Uh, hidden behind. He goes to like a section in the library that's hidden behind that poster. Yeah. 
That this is an interesting film. I I liked it. I thought it was great, really. I haven't seen that many Campion films now that now that I was looking at her filmography, so I should go back and watch some more. I think I've not seen that many either. Uh, yeah, speaking of cringeworthy speeches, she did take some heat recently, I saw. Oh my with, god. Uh, some, in her uh, acceptance speech from some award show or ever. Have you seen that, that picture that's just like, this is the moment, this is the moment Kristen, uh, Kirsten dons to realize that Jen Campion just got to the Oscar? <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen that, no, but uh, I saw the picture of like Venus reacting to it, I think. Um, but I should look that one up. It did. Uh, I don't. Know, I don't remember who's all nominated, but uh, and what would be supporting actress probably, right? Oh uh, yeah. Is that would that? I think it might have cost her a Campion personally, directing Oscar or. But I don't know if uh, it definitely. If she's nominated for it, it definitely could have cost her that, um, and it might have cost like because it seemed like a lock for Power of the Dog, right? It might have cost. I don't know if that's a lock. Just like. You you can't yeah. say that. I don't know if it's a lock. I mean, I, lady. I, people enough people said that it felt like a lock, who I assume know what they're talking about. That I started to believe that it felt like a lock, even though I have no idea what goes into any of this. I sh- it, it is what I should say here. It's a very. I mean, it's a surprisingly seems to be a very popular film. I mean, it was on Netflix. It's fucking great. It is, but like it's it's pretty. Um, opaque is that a, the right type of word like uh oblique i don't know it's kind of a western but not really i guess like a neo western but also there's like it's like in the 20s at least or something like there's cars in it and stuff i don't it doesn't really feel like a western like you know the old west necessarily it's like the old old west right like it's it's, it's like clearly the west in 1905 which um i think i, I think i mentioned this when we were talking about Paper Moon uh, a, f- a few months ago, it was like, this movie felt like a Western. It was set in 1936. Yeah. Oh, that movie, Paper Moon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like, this can very much still be a Western. There still could be, like, untamable land in the, like, foothills of the Rockies or wherever they are. And they have electricity, right? Yeah. And just the type of story it was, anyway, didn't really feel like a western it's more of like a which i think was part of the point right yeah i guess so and it's like a study on uh, you know masculinity and all this stuff like like um i guess the the cumberbatch character is kind of like a a gay misogynist i would say i don't like uh yeah 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 and i like the ending of it it maybe. It was a little bit subtle, maybe too much so, I don't know. Well, I think I told you, I don't know if I said it on mic, um, but like, when someone told me explicitly what had happened, like when I, when I was listening to, to a podcast or, or oh, interview okay. about you it at the it. very end, that's not exactly what I thought happened when I was watching it, so uh, it, it's subtle. Yeah. Now, in terms of this category, also the acting's all pretty good, well, um, yeah, the acting's all good in that. Especially, um, uh, Kristen Dunst and, um, uh, and, uh, her son, that actor, whatever that actor's name is, McPhee something. Cody McPhee? Yeah. They, they were the standouts, probably. 
And uh, Jesse Plemons is good, too. He's married well, to I mean, Dunstan Relic. Yeah, they're yeah all four of them are fantastic. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. I can. I don't know how to judge Cumberbatch performances, kind of. Like, I don't... They don't... He makes choices, certainly, but I don't know if they're always, like... It, it, or, he's, like, more of, like, a um, presence to me than, like, a... Can I tell you how I judge yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch performances? When I get done with the movie, I think to myself, would I have rather seen Dan Stevens... I think that's his name. The guy from... Um, mm-hmm. He's in The Guest. He's a star of... Uh, which is a good movie. He's a, the star of uh, the, a Legion, the TV show, which I like. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. What is the guy from Downton Abbey? That's the thing okay, that I was trying I to think of. I uh, would I rather that. seen him play this role? No. Then that was a great Cumberbatch performance. Huh. I feel like he could have done the, the same thing, basically. I don't know. Fair. But... Anyway, that's not quite the category, which is Bronco Henry versus Uncle Vanya. I gotta go with Bronco Henry just because it's funny, <laughs> like, how much he brought it off. The name, once you find out who he actually is, essentially. Yeah. It's, uh, it's funny to me. So I, my vote's for Bronco Henry. I think... Um, but you should watch Drive My Car. I'm, I'm going to. Uh, I think I am also... You know what? I'm gonna create some conflict here. Mm-hmm. Because of my vague recollection of the short story and my uh, undying love for the stories and words of Haruki Murakami, uh, I am going to go with Uncle Ponyo. Just create a little conflict. All right. So we got a split decision on this one. You're going Vanya. I like it. I like it. On the next category, I know you've seen one of the films I'm going to reference. You've mentioned it already on this podcast, I believe, unless it was off mic, but I think it was on. Um, It was, because you said it was possibly could slot into a different category we went over already versus one that i know we've talked about off mic briefly but i don't know if you did a a catch up on it or not so this one is best porn incident (laughs) which is mikey saber's uh best bj award win versus the uh, romanian teachers leaked home porno with her husband okay i've not seen bad luck banging or loony porn okay a la benedetta i believe it is now also okay. on hulu. that weird hulu hasn't surfaced that one to me okay give me some context both of these films you could yeah. talk about for quite a while <laughs> I, I think we maybe could even do it in terms of red rocket i certainly wouldn't mind doing a full episode do you want to just do that do you want to do a do you want to do those two movies next next time? Yeah, let's do it. We'll, we'll, t- we'll, we'll, okay. Well, maybe not at the same episode, but we could both we could catch up on both on separate ones. Or or yeah, I'll say with bad luck banging. A lot of people. Uh, I just checked my Hulu and it has been serviced to me, so it must have just been released uh, on Hulu recently. I didn't watch it on there. I saw it maybe like a month ago, and it, and I, I I just found it online somewhere, basically. Um, so maybe it will be in more people's radars now. But I initially saw it because it was on some a bunch of lists of best films of critics' picks for best films of twenty twenty one. It's not like French Dispatch in the fact that they're completely different se- stories, but it is segmented like that where there's like three distinct segments, kind of. And it's in Romanian. Yes. Okay. I really got to finish Elden Ring. I think I read something that there's, like, two versions of the film, like, completely explicit and somewhat censored. 
I would assume okay. Hulu might have a somewhat censored one. I don't know what Hulu's does like but it opening of the film is essentially like you would find it on Pornhub like it's explicit you know they show everything with this teacher and her I would assume it's a body double but from the actor but they they show like full you know what they're getting into <laughs> which is then leaked online and that's the cross. wait so it's like full penetration in the film like we can see the C and B it's not um not the uh yeah, implied Bronco Henry, you know, flashbacking that Cumberbatch is getting into. But it's not like a sex scene from like a normal movie. It's a we sex scene, and, but it's on screen. It's correct, I and it's don't like love um, that has like the, it. Then it gets uploaded like to um, some site. That's the crux of the film. The teacher, the the students. Right. It's like a prestigious school. The students are all wanting to get fired and stuff like that. Not the students. The students' parents. So, the first segment is, like, her finding out about this, like, trying to deal with it. She's, like, on the phone a lot, running around. There's a lot of just shots of her just walking up and down. I think it's Bucharest, the city in Romania. Almost, like, a Red Rocket style, like, you know, real life, essentially, um, like the Sean Baker style. You know, it's super realistic. Seems like real people, all this stuff probably a lot of the people in it are just real people not mm-hmm. actors the second segment doesn't have any of the main character storyline but it, it's like this it's like almost like a powerpoint presentation I would say. like that that gets into like um culture uh romanian specifically but just kind of general culture um like what's wrong with it sort of thing pointing out hypocrisies and all this stuff then the third segment is back to the main kind of story with the the teacher she's at the school and like it's a whole long scene with like her being on trial essentially by these parents um and then it gets a little it it starts getting more and more bizarre you know i've brought up louis bunuel in the past to you and it's the third segment so a little more like one of Mm -hmm. his outputs Anyway, you should watch that too. We'll possibly do a full episode, but we'll we'll see. Uh, it sounds like you're reticent about the the hardcore uh, porn aspect that's literally in the film. But well, when you said the second act was more like a PowerPoint presentation, that reminded me of one of my favorite novels, A Visit from the Goon Squad by Jennifer Egan, which prominently features a PowerPoint. Real heads know, and uh, I'm gonna cry just thinking about it. Um, so I'm back in on this. Wow. Okay, and uh, and Red Rocket, you know, like it's it's the Sean Baker style, like I, I just said, if you know what that means, basically, ultra kind of realistic. It seems like most of the people are real people, not actors, which I think they essentially are mostly, uh, like it's a Florida Project or Tangerine. The main guys are played by, uh, why am I blanking on him? Simon Baker, not Simon Baker. That's a different guy. Simon Rex, who is an actor, like comedy rapper like he's been around forever i saw i saw a picture of him like interviewing tupac in like 1993 or something but but it's good cast he does a great job for one thing and it's good casting by baker to get a guy like this kind of in there also i think he did do briefly porn in real life salmon rex i saw or i read oh that's funny like also like in the early 90s or something so like it works um i definitely want to dig into this one more probably though yeah on like a, a long episode i thought it was great i liked it a lot 
and there's just so many weird elements in it. Yeah. I really liked that movie. It's tough because American movies continuously try to condition us to hate every movie where yeah. we do not relate to the main character and he's not a good, nice person. And neither of those things are true for this movie. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it was tough, but it was I mean, it, it was great. And because it's an American movie, yes, the bad guy gets what's coming to him in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, somewhat. I mean, who knows? He, he's, still, he's still around to potentially harm other, other people, certainly. Yeah. But yeah, it's more like a 70s movie in that sense from the aspect of like the, the uh, you know, the character that's not a, obviously a good guy being your, the character you're following. But he's not relatable to but like how you're saying it, but I think he is relatable. He's like relatable as like, you know, people like this, like everyone's yes. met someone. Maybe everyone doesn't know like a former porn star, but someone who has this type of behavior as this guy does you do you have met someone like that i'm gonna slide down to the next oh well actually i didn't give my vote we need here. to give this award yeah. i will uh i'll give it to to the romanian teacher it's more prominent at least in term the incident is more prominent of how i set the category up i said his mikey sabers bj award because that comes up a lot he's talking about like how he won that and people i keep saying like well shouldn't the girl get the award he's like but no that's how i'm you know so it's a good. Well, part, in the but, uh, the way he describes what went into him winning the award, he's uh, yeah, that's true. Not fun. <laughs> no. So I am going to go with the Romanian film that I've not seen either. Okay. So no, yet again, you're going with the the one you haven't seen. So I like it. You're being very um, uh, optimistic. I guess I think I'm looking for a slightly different word, but yeah, optimistic. Whatever for. I'm pretty sure I'm gonna like both of those movies. Yeah. Well, uh, let's go down. I know you've seen both of the best new boyfriend meet cute spot, which is a contender between a high school photo day you're working versus a wedding you crashed after ditching your current boyfriend's work thing. Amazing. Okay. Now, I know you love uh, the first one, at least the movie. Uh-huh. I think you liked both. Uh, this is, of course, Licorice Pizza, which we do have done a full episode on. Versus uh, the worst person in the world, uh, the Norwegian film, uh, which I saw in the theater. One of the only one of the only ones of these that I saw in the theater. Actually, both of these films I saw in the theater. So that's a rare Same. list in general. Yeah. Finally, we did it. So, what uh, the scene in general? I mean, it's the worst person one is more of a set piece. I would say, as far as I have this category set up, but. And it is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, where they don't cheat initially, and they, they're proud of themselves for not cheating. <laughs> but then... Uh, Bought the electricity, yes, man. Uh, and then, of course, they do end up getting together. She essentially leaves her boyfriend for this guy once they, once they run into each other again. So if you're a younger, you know, kind of... I think it, it, it's this, this one's relatable if you're a... Uh, you know, late twenties, early thirties person today, uh, with a different relationship, things, goals with your life, not knowing really what you want to do completely. Um, so I thought it was very good. I think it should have been nominated for best picture. It's, I believe it's up for, uh, foreign, uh, language film or whatever that category is called. I 
think we covered that last time, mm-hmm. yeah. And as much as I, lo- I love Licorice Pizza as well, I am going to go for the, the Wedding Crash. Cute. Versus the, uh, the uh, essentially uh, morally questionable... Uh-huh. Uh, I am staying away from all high schools. Um, that's not a place that I need to go as an adult. And for that reason, I'm also choosing the worst person in the world. Yeah. Can I, this just made me think of something. This is going to seem like quite a left turn, but can I ask you a West Side Story question again? Yes. What Are they supposed to be in high school in that? Like, what the... They're high school age. I don't think any of them are actually going to school. Because, like, it seems like they go to, like, a school dance, essentially. But I was like, wait. These... It, that's a neighborhood dance. Okay, so yeah. that's a thing. It's weird. And it may be set in the summer. Okay. But they are all minors who are never seen in school. But as they tell you, they're no good, they're no good. Baby, you're no good. So. I gotta say it again. Oh, that, no, that's Linda Ronstadt. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. But also the main character, Tony, right, is uh, went to prison. Uh, that's part of his backstory. Yeah, I don't think he went to, like, Attica. No, they literally say Attica. So they may be, like, 18, 19 then? I don't know. I was just confused by that. But anyway. I am, too. Now, now that you've got me to try to explain it to you, it turns out that I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying they're like art, like they seem 30, like youths, though. Three year olds, like us, or however old we are. But uh, I think I was going the in between, maybe getting the average. They they definitely seem less like high schoolers than uh, old Strawberry from Red Rocket, for example. Christ. Uh, anyway, I'll just do a quick. I got it. I know we're gonna probably do a full episode, but I just thought of this scene and I'm laughing about it, thinking about it, but. How funny is it when <laughs> the kid's whole family <laughs> comes and beats the shit out of him? It took three of you. That's real like the kid cool. with his parents comes yeah. with his parents. I, that, I did not see that coming. That was really funny. That was um, amazing. Anyway, here we go. Now let's. Uh, this is probably going to bring the old the old room down a little bit. Uh, a, a bleaker subject, but uh, best. This is this category's best place to flee civil war from. Best location. Belfast, North Ireland versus uh, Afghanistan. I'm going to go with C, Arrakis from Dune. Ah, so you're throwing it in. Is that a civil war in, in, uh, in Dune? Hard to say. Technically, I think this is a galactic civil war because they are all ruled by one god emperor. But I don't understand the politics of the wider Dune world. As someone who has only seen Dune 1983 or whatever... Um, and this Dune, and never read the book. The whole book series probably gets into it. I think it, it, it's a little more covert or whatever. Like, it's a little, I think in, it's, like, more politics under the surface of, like, setting these families up against each other. It's a little more uh, Game of Thrones. At least the, the aspect of Game of Thrones, it's, like, the houses against each other, right? They're even called houses still. Right. It's, like, the power families in Dune have both a lordship and our corporations. Right, that's true. And then in the real-life situations in Belfast uh, in the late 60s and uh, Afghanistan in the late 80s, early 90s, those are both more religious-based uh, civil war, wars within the country. Uh, certainly Belfast was directly, you know, a Catholic versus Protestant. Afghanistan was, like, political... Uh, factions against each other but like one of them being like the super, the hyper religious anti-western group um versus the more 
that westernized a contingent that was ruling Afghanistan, forcing the uh, subject of the, the film flee, to literally flee. I just watched this in the past week as well. Have you seen this one, uh, Eric? No, I have not. Okay. You Did you see Belfast? I think you told me off mic that you did. I've seen Belfast, yeah. Okay. So, Flea is interestingly up uh, for... Documentary? Three disparate, generally disparate awards. Yeah, documentary, animated feature, and foreign film. Which is very interesting. Oh, wow. I doubt that's ever happened before. It's mostly animated. They put a couple of inserts of, like, real shots in. But part of the reason why is that this guy doesn't and do you want like spoilers from this one or you you're gonna watch it probably i I probably won't want to spoil too much i've had it spoiled you you can definitely say to me um we'll just note for the listener that uh okay we're about to spoil something well essentially he wants to be um not known like who he is because theoretically there still could be trouble for him because ultimately what it comes down to is when he 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 got away after a pretty arduous uh journey from Afghanistan to Russia. I know everyone loves Russia right now, but they don't come off too good in this uh, in this uh, movie. Uh, from the real life, the real life uh, Russian government slash police and everything. That's yeah, I can't. Funny. I, well, this was a while ago, and then when the events happened, so sure things are different now. But yeah, but then to ultimately a Denmark, the director of this film knew this, like met this guy at school then. Like, so has known him for a long time in Denmark, but he didn't know the full details of what happened because it was a secret because he basically lied and said, he, as he was told to you by the, the coyote or whatever you call it, the smuggler, human smuggler, to say his whole family was dead and he's alone. When, in fact, he had other family that ended up getting to Sweden. And it, I think his other, his mother and other brother that weren't part of that group eventually got somewhere else as well so like they're around filmmaker was surprised is surprised like during the movie when he's interviewing him to learn that that's the case like he's like oh i thought all your parents were dead right but he like had to say all this yeah it's it's a good it's really good um it's obviously very sad and like terrible like some of the things that he talks about that happened to other people around him that had to get that other refugees basically but there is some like uplifting and like nice kind of has a happy ending for in the real world like in real life how he currently is and like there's like kind of a i wouldn't call it a twist but something you might that might subvert your expectations a little bit from with with his family i don't know that part probably wasn't spoiled for you so i won't give that away okay but in terms of the general when they're making this film he's like in the process of like getting i guess i guess he's like engaged to this guy um and the Spanish guy, you know. I was going to ask you if the twist was that he was gay, because that was spoiled for me. No, it's not a twist. Like, you know that the whole time. And, like, part of the issue with him, he has, like, some kind of... The boyfriend and fiancé, whatever, wants to, like, move out to the country, and, like, the character has, like, a lot of, um... I guess it's guilt, or, like, he doesn't, like... This is, seems to be, like, a big issue for him, like, having a nice kind of life, I guess, is part of it. Yeah. When all his yeah. other family and all these people went through, you know, and then so like the, yeah, I don't, I don't say more than that. But then with his family and something to do with him being gay though, uh, is like something that I that subverted my expectations a little bit. So, 
I'll leave that to you. But we'll compare that with Belfast, uh, which I saw just two days ago, I believe. So that one's pretty fresh for me. Yeah, and as far as best place to flee a civil war from, um, despite the religious uh, violence happening in the streets of Belfast, they do make this movie, in, in this movie, make the little community seem really lovely. And uh, he's got all his family there, so much that he doesn't want to leave, so... Yeah, he freaks out on, I think, Christmas Day when they're talking about moving. I think, so this is a Kenneth Branagh film. I, it's essentially an autobiography, it seems like, I would think. Seems that way. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's some embellishments or different things, but... Right, not explicitly, but definitely. I think part of it, like, he, he seemed like he was trying to show, like, in terms of, like, the, the actual... Catholic versus Protestant stuff, and they call it a civil war, like, in the film, but, um, I don't know what, I think it's called, that the people in Ireland, or in Northern Ireland, just called the trouble, like, when they refer to this time period, but... Yeah, yeah, I barely know anything about the trouble. They don't go, it's not like, uh, there's, uh, it's been in other films, I think, and it's nothing new here in that regard. I mean, nothing really in this is new in general, but I think it's, like, he was trying to show like a more um, show that there's still like a lot of happy times for him as a kid, or at least for this character as a kid too, like with the family, with going to the movies, like with doing, not completely knowing what's going on. You know, it wasn't right, like, right, the pure terror or being miserable all the time. I guess I think that seemed like kind of the point. Right, it's not like there's a, like, car that won't stop burning in the middle of your, like, street and, like, half the windows are blown out. It's like you have a normal, lovely little childhood and then every now and then violence sweeps from off screen and ends up on your on your block. Yeah, so, the I would say the most notable thing about this one to me was the cinematography. I thought it was absolutely beautiful. I loved it. Like, the black and white cinematography. Like, almost every shot in the film is, like, if you just... And I did this several times. I just paused while I was watching it and just looked at the, you know, at the picture. Um, that was that was great. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. For a black and white movie, it is very bright. Which, like, I know we've been having this discourse on um, people who watch movies Twitter um, a lot the last couple years. But, like, every movie just has a darkness filter put on top of it so that you can't fucking see shit to hide the fact that it was made on a green screen in Atlanta, um, in most cases, uh, and it was really refreshing to see to have a black and white movie that's just, like, bright. The acting's all good, you know. I, I think a lot of the actors are nominated for for big awards, which I don't entirely get, yes. but, I mean, it's good. It's not, it didn't, uh, you know, the, the uh, Kieran Hines playing the grandfather is, definitely gives a good role, but, uh, a good performance, but, um, at the same time, again, it's nothing new, I don't think. Kieran Hines is nominated for Supporting Actor. Yeah. And this is Judy Dench is probably nominated for Supporting Actress, I think. Yes. No. Yes, yeah, she is. She it's is. Interesting, too. There's a, I looked it up, and there's like a big age gap between those two. Yeah. Maybe she was probably playing a little younger than she is in her life, and he was playing a little older, maybe. But that's interesting. It usually is not... Uh, usually go the other way, male to female. Um, but anyway. Yeah. Something. Although, that's my dream, so. That's your dream? To be married to... So who's 20 years older 
or so now that you want to be end up with as grandparents? She's 20 years older than Karen Hines? Essentially, yeah. I looked it up, like, eight, eight, between 18, 18, 19, 20 years. Okay, so we're looking at, like, 50 to 52. How old... Hmm. I don't have anyone in... I, I don't know who's that age, because everyone... I Everyone plays 36, and then when they turn 37, starts playing 60, you know? What, um... How old is Kate Blanchett? She's probably in that in that old range. I would, if I had to guess, I would say she's maybe 48, 49. She is... Jesus Christ, just tell me when she was born, dog. That's how you talk to your Wikipedia, or your Google. Uh, yes. She was married in 1997... It tells me that, but not what she was. Born. She's still married. Most actors, if you look it up, they're like married from this to this, yeah. then this to this. <laughs> born nineteen sixty nine, which would make her twenty one years older than me. We got it. All right, we got one. You and Blanchette, baby, raising your kids over in uh, in uh, good old. Well, you can move it to her, uh, not Northern Ireland. You can move it to her neck of the woods, like an old, uh, you know, uh, Sydney or something around it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I love the opera. Perfect. So, what is your pick for that? Again, you didn't see one of them. I'm not going to pick Flea because you said best place to flee from. And um, I would rather flee from a loving home living on the periphery of violence than at the target of the American uh, and Russian empires in the 80s and 2000s. I have to concur. And they just went from Belfast to, I believe, London at the end of the film. Even though there was talk of going to, I think, to Sydney and somewhere in Canada, maybe. Mm Mm-hmm. Versus the quite uh, arduous and terrible journey of the character in Flea. So yes, based on the category, I'll agree with Belfast. I think Flea is probably the the superior film in general, though. Okay. All right. So I'm gonna here. Here's a couple quick hitters, and then I'll have one more to okay. wrap it up. So we're going long again. Ah, we're not going too long. Yeah, we have gone long. I no, no, I, it's better than normal. But it's considering how many different films I'm trying to hit here, this is actually not terrible. We should get in at, at, at 90 minutes or under here. As I add more minutes by rambling and explaining the, the time. All right. Best animal, we got sandworm. Okay. Versus truffle pig. Oh, man, he loved that pig. Ooh, I'm going to have to say pig. The sandworm, like, I don't know how to walk arrhythmically. It's going to eat me. I'm going to draw the ire of the worm. What's its name? I, d- I do not know. Arrakis is the planet. It's I thought it was is... just sandworm. I don't I, Was there a... I guess... Oh, no, no, no. It has I guess name. it makes sense there'd be some sci-fi term, but I... And I probably should have looked that up. But that didn't fit then with my... Its name is Shai Hulud. Shai Hulud. That makes me like it less, so that's, a, that's a, a vote in the negative category. I will say that the animators, the CGI people... Luke complain, I, I would complain more about CGI than I, like, praise it usually, I think. Uh-huh. Because it's, like, one of the things when it looks bad, it's more noticeable. Or you're just tired of, like, all these movies being filled with it. All these movies look but, the same and they look like shit, yeah. I think that was pretty good. CGI and that old sandworm was pretty impressive. I was impressed by the worm. And then should we give away the twist, kind of? I, I guess it's, yeah, I think it's a twist with the, the, the truffle pig herself. I think it's a her, right? Uh, yes, it is. She, uh... <laughs> She, quick spoiler, but she doesn't even find the troubles really. Old old Cage is finding them with his own uh, with his own know how. 
It's not a truffle pig. It's just his best friend. I love that movie so much. It's his best friend slash new wife, kind of. <laughs> or wife replacement. Dead wife replacement. Right, right. Uh, it's, stand-in. It's not like he fucks the pig. It's I just know, I'm like, not saying that, but yeah. I miss my wife, and here's this new best friend that I do not fuck. And uh, and while I did well, I did just praise... I, I like the sandworm. It's cool. It looks good. Um, I like the movie, Dune, overall. Um, probably more than I thought I was going to. That being said, it doesn't have an ending. It, it's clearly just like the end of part one. Like, might as well be a, a, the novel, like, chapter over. Does not have any... Yeah. Doesn't even try to have a, any type of, uh, what you know... <laughs> wrapped up ending any type of button on it at all whereas the end of it ends very abruptly yeah, whereas the end of pig is great i like the ending a lot it's nice that is a really great movie you expect it to go um maybe maybe just in the conventions of how films normally go you expect things to go differently but they don't i did at least yeah yeah i expect it to get well especially we shouldn't spoil this movie because I don't think many people saw it, but um, even though I kind of did one part, but yeah. When it feels like one thing's gonna happen and then something entirely different happens, if that, <laughs> if I can just talk to you about it, yeah, no, I love that movie. I know what you mean. So I'm saying, yeah, it's great and nice and short. Um, now. That was best animal. Now we move on to best animal human hybrid. What? We've got lamb versus car. Lamb versus oh my god! Okay, okay. I thought you were like the only thing I could picture was uh, the end of Boots Riley's "Sorry to Bother You," which was from two years ago. Um, but you're right. No, was that uh, yeah? That... You're right. There is an animal human hybrid in lamb, and I guess. The car in t- the the car in Titan is well alive. Well, we don't quite see what happens completely, but at the end, she is giving birth to this uh, to something. So I would say that's it. That's it. Man. Oh, you know what? I, I said animal human, but actually, yeah, I, that's, yeah, I know what you meant. It's a car is not an animal. So We're I doing category fraud. It's this. fine. Damn, I didn't even think of that till now. Human, non-human hybrid? No, I found lamb to be a little obtuse and confounding, even though, like, I, I I get that it's just just a metaphor for, like, your kids grow up and you lose them, um, and some, like, blah-blah animal darkness inside us all. Um, I do get that. I did find the movie to be a bit obtuse, and um, as we've discussed, Titan was one of mo- was my favorite movie of last year, so... Let's let's go with the car, baby. Yeah, it was. I didn't really care for the lamb that much either. However, I got to go with the lamb in this category because, for one thing, I just realized I have to disqualify car because it's not a, it's not an animal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it doesn't fit the category like I wanted it to. And you know what? The lamb the lamb child is pretty cute. I got it. Now, honest. are you talking about the lamb child? Or are you talking about the other thing? Uh, the lamb child. Okay, okay, that was that was a cute lamb child. And uh, obviously, Titan. We talked. We did a full episode on that. A far superior film. Completely snubbed by the Oscars, uh, even in the foreign language category. Which, come on now. Yeah. I guess it's too weird for him. Yeah. I guess it was a little too much. I don't think Raw was nominated either. So. 
No, but that was a, that was lower profile, I think. I, I don't know. But I guess that's true. That, uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, let's wrap it up here with um, the best audience for music. And that's going to be a deaf family uh, versus 1969 Harlemites in the park. 1969 Harlem. Oh, you know what? I don't think I saw Summer of Soul. I don't know if you... You had it last time I asked you, and I did recommend it to you, but that's all right. There's plenty to watch. But So this is a documentary by Quest. The Light. audience at that concert could probably hear the music, so I'm going to have to go with Harlem Heights. And, and this is also a no, a neither nor in terms of seeing the films for you, right? Because uh, you said you were not into watching Coda. Yeah, if, if Coda wins, I'll watch it, but I don't... If it know. wins, we might have to do it next month. Uh, but, yeah, so Summer of Soul, I just want to... I put that into you because I want to recommend it again. It's really good. Um, it's like a... It's kind of like mm-hmm. Woodstock in a way. It took place the same year. But it was uh, essentially lost to history, not talked about at all. Um, when it's got huge stars in it, uh, Stevie Wonder, Nina Simone, um, Sly and the Family Stone the staple singers and a bunch of other so maybe some people you don't know but uh that were influential over like a couple weekends in harlem in 19 yeah 1969 Questlove got hands on this um footage essentially and put it together as a documentary with some interviews about it by some of the people in it and a lot of and just people that were there in general so it's it's really cool and it's it's at the same time feel good and you know, and also delves into, you know, the black experience um, today as well as, you know, back then up till today. So versus something like Woodstock, it's more, you know. Yeah, I heard him when it came out, give an interview on like a couple different podcasts. And it sounds fascinating. I just don't ever like get it up for documentaries, really. Um, And so I, I completely missed it. Well, this and Flea are both good documentaries. I, I think you should watch both. But um, it's more of, um, despite what I said, you know, there's interviews and stuff, but it's really more about what, like, a lot of it is just watching the performances, you know? So it's like a, a concert film, essentially. Also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, putting that up versus the deaf family. <laughs> so Coda, you know, I kind of think maybe this will, it seems like the type of movie that would win Best Picture, especially if it gets a little... Uh, it's like you know a little momentum they've done their due diligence giving it to two serious like dramas um i shouldn't say that coda is not a serious drama but giving it to two things that make you feel uh uncomfortable at times uh two years in a row and like make you like make the audience purposely force the audience to have thoughts about things the audience doesn't also doesn't maybe often think about in their real lives although i am personally thinking about class war at all times Shout out to Parasite. Yeah. I think it's probably time for them to give another, like, warm it, fuzzies yeah. porn. It's a, it's a family culture. drama, you know. Um, with, with, you know, there's some light comedy, but... I mean, there's comedy, but... A family And I may, I may completely be underestimating and misunderstanding this movie, but I started it once, and it just feels... Oh, you started it. In the it. same weekend, I started this and The Tender Bar, and I just, like... Is that Ben Affleck? Yeah. They just give me Forrest Gump vibes. I'm not, like, 
Oh, well, you're not going to force me to feel good. Yeah, I mean, this is another one, kind of like Belfast. It's not. It's like you've seen it before. Structurally, you certainly have. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's different in that there's a big element is this deaf family that, you know, basically the the main character is the only one in her family of the four who isn't deaf, and she's kind of forced to be their, like, translator and, like, live in two worlds sort of thing, you know. And then she realizes she's a good singer and wants to go to, mm-hmm. like, pursue music, um, which they, especially her mother, doesn't. Played by Marley Matlin, famed uh, deaf actress actor doesn't understand but um you know so there's some of that stuff with that you haven't seen before specifically but like i said structurally and you know you know where it's gonna go and it goes there you know um there's some class there's some class element to it also because Mm -hmm. you know not not in the parasite nomad land way but the family her family is like fishermen her uh yeah not the mom but like the rest of the family works as fishermen in Boston, you know, it's a, and not Boston, but in Massachusetts, you know, it's a, it's a mass whole movie. Um, so they're like, part of the storyline is like them fighting and the fishermen in general trying to fight back against their, uh, overlords that, you know, don't pay them enough for their, their catches and all this stuff. Oh, well, you didn't tell me they wanted their bread and they wanted their roses. I, I might watch this. That's a big element to it. And then the, her family decides to like to do this like co-op kind of thing but then there's issues with that because they need her to translate and like help them out with the speaking people um which leads to you know leads to the friction and she has this whole other destiny she was intending to pursue i see uh and you know like it's there's a lot of the singing's good like she the actress is a good singer good actor also um so her performance it, you know kind of ties the movie together maybe some of that elements wouldn't work for you as much but uh I, you know it worked for me even though i'm like oh I've, you know i've seen it but i know it's doing but it did the trick i don't think it should win best picture if it does i'll definitely have to watch it obviously but yeah it wouldn't be my pick but i don't regret watching it and i think that guy that well, the, the the father character i believe his name is tony Kotzer. i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing it right but that's how i've heard it pronounced Seems like he's a lock for uh, best supporting actor, and you know it's not undeserved. He's he's very good. Interesting. Interesting. There's a scene where he well, the part I put in this category was like they, that's kind of like the end of the movie. But well, there's two different scenes where they watch, they watch her singing even though they can't obviously hear it. So, the first one of those is like at her school recital thing, and it's it's kind of a interesting like they, they basically are look they basically figure out that their daughter is actually good by like seeing the other people in the audience like how they react to her you know Mm -hmm. so that was interesting that being said you know i still gotta throw it to as novel as that was i gotta throw it to the summer of soul real life audience and that will be my uh, my pick for that this category i uh i concur obviously all right so you know we're we're pretty much in lockstep here a couple of disagreements friendly disagreements but it's all just for good fun anyway so we can we can uh talk about these 2021 films like we wanted to do you have anything else to to throw in here eric did i have anything i mostly watched horror movies last year or any more thoughts doesn't have to be a separate 
movie entirely. Weird that we didn't discuss like we didn't discuss Gucci. We didn't discuss the Last Duel. I did both both by Ridley Scott. Right? Like a lot of these like major yeah a lot of these like major prestige films that came out. It was just like nobody saw them and no one wanted yeah. them. I do want to see the Last Duel. I've heard it's good. I, that was on my list. I liked the Last Duel, but no one saw it. That was like one of the only ones I didn't get to that I want to so far from twenty twenty one. So I'm gonna watch that soon. Yeah. Did you just say you did see it? I did, yeah. Yeah, you liked, I liked it? it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, want, I do want to see that. Gucci, you know, it's not the same as my, um, uh, what do you call it, my uh, fatigue with someone, but it's it's the stars born, the stars born nexus of my fatigue versus my aversion, my essential aversion to Lady Gaga. Yeah. I just don't. Oh, I thought you were going to say uh, Jared Leto. Oh, no, I, I don't like him either. I but... stand Gaga, yes, Gaga. No, I know you like her, but I just can't get into her. Did you watch House of Gucci? No, I did not see Gucci. Yeah, no, I, I'll watch that. But uh, yeah, the uh, yeah uh, Jared Leto, I can, I definitely have a version of him as well. I didn't even think about that. I forgot he was even in that. So yeah, be uh, you won't be seeing me uh, buying a ticket to Morbius. Duh, man, that looks like such dog shit. And that'll get that gets into my fatigue slash aversion with my my uh, that doubles down with my. Leto fatigue or uh, aversion plus Marvel fatigues. Yeah, yeah, we won't be doing that uh, anytime soon on the podcast. But we will be doing next time probably. Oh, don't worry, you can get coverage of that everywhere else. Pretty much everywhere else that's more popular. Yeah, we'll probably do the best picture winner next time, barring a couple of potential exclusions. But we'll probably be doing that. We might be doing Red Rocket soon in the future. Sounds like we want to do that, and uh, who knows whatever else. So. Join us for that. Subscribe to Brooklyn Rebound Network here if you're not. And uh, I think I'm going to go... I I really liked your Jordan analogy. I think I'm going to do some crossover Jordan uh, Bronco Henry fan fiction to to close my night out here. Okay. So I got to go. That sounds good, buddy. I'm going to go on a cross-country road trip and accidentally end up um, as a prostitute. That sounds good. Peace.